Today's guest is Beth Rabbit. She's the CEO of the Learning Accelerator. Welcome, Beth. Thanks for having me. Of yeah, course. Hello. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Learning Accelerator? Yeah. So I have the blessing of leading the Learning Accelerator, otherwise known as TLA. We are a small but mighty national nonprofit that's mm -hmm. trying to make the potential just both possible and practical for every teacher and every learner. I've been at TLA for six years. I was on the startup team when I joined to help think about all the teacher and professional development uh, training resources that were mm -hmm. needed to help um, support educators in making shifts to more personalized and mastery-based instruction in their classrooms. And three years ago, I became CEO, and I've been leading our team since then. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. So what did you do before you were at, at TLA, in so, between those three years of starting and then becoming CEO? So prior to TLA, I was actually working uh, to start a new school in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. It's one of the really early flex blended learning models, meaning yeah. that we were trying to create a school where we were meeting each student's individual needs and interests by helping them um, move at their own pace through core content with the support of great teachers and mm. other students. So I was on the startup team for that organization is actually helping to think about what are the competencies and systems our teachers needed to get really good at their jobs. So my title there was Director of Human Capital and Innovation. Um, that work made me incredibly passionate about mm. the need to support the people in our innovation work. We oftentimes focus on school models and technologies, but the reality is the folks we need to support the most and the things we need to invest in the most are the people on the front line of actually implementing and learning how to do the work at the level of the student. So um, while I've moved on from focusing only on professional development in my career, um, I carry with me every day just humility about the hard work teachers are doing, but also a real desire to think about most of this work about uh, problems of learning for adults and how do adults figure out how to solve really gnarly challenges in their classrooms. So what are some of the trends you see in, um, I mean, we could start with kind of people for, people first trying to implement, like people yeah. new to the idea. What are, what are some of the trends as far as needs that you see for those people? Yeah. The first thing I'll say is that there is a trend, although it's, it's receding, which is that oftentimes the work starts with the tools or the technology. Yeah. Your teacher being told, oh, here's a laptop for your classroom, or oh, here's an application you might use, right. which oftentimes is the wrong way to enter the work. Um, not to say it's a bad way, but can be distracting from like the real task, which is the why you're doing. Why are you doing like what's the instructional challenge you're facing in your classroom with your students, or what are the needs your students are bringing in terms of their interest and motivation, and how do you solve for that? And so I think we are seeing a trend of that decrease in, and schools and districts paying more attention to like the why of mm. the work as the entry point. But, um, but I always like to start with that because I think that in our work to talk about innovation, again, we focus a lot on the tools, but we don't often think about like, what's the problem that exists at the level of the learner mm -hmm. that a teacher is trying to solve and has been trying to solve and how can those tools actually unlock new ways of working to actually be able to do that. Other things that um, we are seeing is really also an increased focus on how do we, so if we're talking about personalizing for students, if we're talking about focusing on mastery of learning, not just um, seat time in learning experiences, 
then how do we think about actually reflecting those same things in our development of the adult learners uh-huh. in the education system? School mm-hmm. systems are social organisms. They're people working together to try to figure out how to accomplish really hard tasks and difficult things. That work can be inspiring. It can be really challenging. So how do we reflect how to support teachers in that work in the same way we are trying to do for students, making their learning personalized, dynamic, engaging, focused on the problems they want to solve, not the problems we think they might have or the tools they should be using. So we are seeing a lot more interest in personalized professional development Mm -hmm. through the means of micro-credentialing or online learning. I will say that the thing that technology can do for us in personalized professional learning is actually the same thing it can do for us with students, which is unlocking more Mm -hmm. time for adults to engage one-on-one with other experts and mentors, where before we might have had to like get it in a whole group sit and get fashion. Right. Yeah. Right. So one of the, you mentioned that being one of the trends and the last few hours that we've talked to people, it's a lot about the teacher's point of view rather than just the learners now. And I'm not sure if it's because we're realizing that personalized learning for students is something that we're Almost like like we, everyone, not everyone, but like we get get it. it. We get it. That was pretty good right there. (laughs) You guys are so insane. That that we we get what we're doing. But now we're seeing that the problem is not that we don't know how to do it with our students. It's like we don't know how to get better at it for ourselves. And It's a subtle shift, but I like the idea that the people that are already here get the idea for students like we know we need we don't, to do this we don't exactly we know do exactly what we're doing all the time but we know we need to do this and now how do we do this for the adult learners yeah so we're recognizing our approaches for students despite best efforts despite best intention and all the energy we put in have kind of been inadequate for meeting individual students where they are right yep. you know, the system oftentimes doesn't flex to the individual learner the learner has to flex to it and if yep. they don't flex to it it's on the learner and oftentimes leads to failure. I think one thing that we reflect on is most of us as adults have never really experienced personalized learning ourselves. So it's actually really hard to implement something you've never experienced. And it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to think about like what are the challenges a student is going to face to get you like really in the shoes of learner if you yourself have not sat in front of a playlist and been like oh how do I choose the right resource for myself or um, worked with peers collaboratively if like in our own learning environments we always sat at a desk and worked independently that's obviously a huge overgeneralization but I think getting to try these things out at the adult level better prepares us to support students it also gives us much more empathy for how some of the solutions we might push might not actually be mm. the best for students. You know, having to push through an online lesson by yourself repeatedly because you're not getting something is not neither it doesn't, fun. No, it doesn't. It didn't. It didn't work the first time. Why are you doing? No, it it's not effective. Yeah. So I think it helps us as learners be like, wow, this is demotivating for me. Like, what can I do to make this better? So one of the things about the conference is about personalized learning for career readiness. And we've been asking uh, like uh, how that works for, for learners, but I'm going to ask you about how does this, how does personalized learning for career readiness, how do you feel about that of with the, the teachers or the administrators that are trying to implement this across the country, whether it's their, their classroom, their building, their district, whatever role they're in, how does this look for career readiness for the learners? You kind of already touched on putting them through the model, mm-hmm. but how does, how does this work on a larger scale? If I'm... I'm a district administrator. 
Yeah. So I don't have a building I'm working with. I'm working with a whole bunch of buildings. Yeah. How does that work for somebody like me who wants to move ahead and make the district even better than it is right now? Yeah, well, so it's such a freeing thing as an administrator or someone who's trying to lead a professional development initiative to not think about, like, what is the scope and sequence of programs I have to apply to this school in hopes that my teachers are able to take up the learning and deploy it in their work. It's much more freeing to say, what are the individual needs my teachers have? Where is their overlap? Where are, are there different opportunities where people are struggling with different things depending on where they are in their career, depending on their subject area, depending on what comes naturally to them as a strength? And getting a picture for what the unique needs are of the learners in my system, the adult learners, and then developing program and opportunity around them. Because in some cases, you actually don't need to bring in a consultant to do a $25,000 two-day training for every teacher in your building when only eight teachers might in fact need that work. Conversely, um, you can actually help your teachers tap into resources far outside the boundaries of your district because they can enroll in online courses, some of which are free. Um, I'd point to like the Learn Next uh, program, which is uh, done in partnership with an organization called Two Revolutions, which has tons of awesome courses from across the country. Um, you know, even TLA in our own work, we created a tool called the Learning Commons which was an attempt to say there are great resources for teacher learning everywhere, but they're super fragmented and it's hard to find them as right. a teacher. Right. So we brought together 20 different partner organizations to say how might we all actually make it possible to search across all of our resources on one site and to create playlists of our resources. Mm. So like through kind of using some of the same tools we're using with learners, we're just making the job of personalizing professional development easier. And the other thing I'll say is as a district administrator, I can start thinking about actually how to use my teachers in different ways or, or um, allow my teachers to work in different ways in the school buildings they're in. So if I have a new teacher, how might I pair them with a more senior teacher in a classroom serving 60 kids together, ideally less, but you know that's typically the reality, and allow that new teacher to come in and work really to practice on specific skills and specific type of planning to work in partnership with a master teacher? Mm. How might I free up that master teacher's time to actually work with students in an area where they really are masterful, like let's say phonics or deep math work? Um, there are really exciting things to think about in personalized learning for how like the structures of teaching and learning that are happening in schools and classrooms could actually free up our adults to get more on-ramps to skills as well as like frankly spend time in areas they're super passionate about by working with others in their buildings. That's another trend is just more teacher collaboration. Yeah. It's so exciting because teachers finally are getting off of their islands and saying like how do I work with my peer to divide and conquer and serve all these student needs better. So which is pretty awesome. This is so exciting. It is very exciting. So one of the things we talk about in our podcast are the do-do's and don't-do's of personalized learning. So we're, we ask every person we interview, what is your biggest do-do when it comes to personalized learning? So what can you share with our listeners that you really want to get out there as it were? Yeah, so my biggest do-do uh, is to find a community in which you can, as a teacher, as an administrator, as a designer, talk about where you might be having troubles and share challenges. Um, 
we did a year-long study with uh, deep dives in 35 different districts to understand what are the common challenge points you're facing. Right. And we know there's no one pathway sure. in this work, but are there similar challenges people face and can we learn something by studying what they do? And we identified in this work, it was called Look Both Ways, um, seven kind of critical tension areas leaders have to navigate. So do I nice. go fast yeah. and furious or do I go really deliberately in my work? Do I centralize how we're doing this work or do I decentralize it? One area that people consistently rated as hugely important to navigate was this notion of do I share best practices or do I focus on learning lessons and sharing lessons from failure in my classroom, school, or district? Oh, interesting. Makes a lot of sense because one of the things that we try to tackle in personalized learning is this notion of a mastery mindset. Everyone across the board said it was incredibly important as attention to navigate, but we asked them to plot themselves on the dimension of like, oh, most of the time I'm sharing best practices, or most of the time I'm focusing on like learning from failure with others. Nearly everybody was focusing on best practices. And so what that means is there's a lot of reinvention of the wheel happening right now. And this super important learning that teachers are doing every day, say in trying something a certain way and discovering, oh, that didn't work for me and here's why, it's not getting surfaced. So at TLA, we focus what we call stories of learning with all of our networks where we start off by asking someone to share like, this is what I did. This is what didn't work, and here's where I am now, and this is what I'm learning. And I think if we could create more communities of practice, or if more people could find those spaces where I could sit together and say, like, I rolled out that tool yesterday, and it bombed. Yeah. Help me figure it out. That's, like, hugely important to our work, and so that's my do-do. Find ways to share what's not working. Amazing. I like it. Beth Rabbit, thank you very much for meeting with us today. Thank you. Thank you.